say. He is the ultimate coffee connoisseur, but actually likes Nescafe special blend. <laughs> Others say that he can walk 10 kilometers in an hour. We just know him as Pastor Paul Edlin. You know, Robert, some personal information needs to say personal. <laughs> like the coffee thing, but it's true, you know, special blend, that thing. My kids give me a hard time to say, Dad, you really are a dinosaur. That's okay. That's okay. If you've got your Bibles, please turn with me to Luke chapter 19. And as Robert said, we are, are doing a series on gifts and talents. It's a five-part series. This is part four. And if you haven't heard the other three, if you go onto YouTube and type in a St. Albans Baptist Church, Christ Church, because there's one in the UK too, apparently, um, uh, you'll be able to watch the other three, and they were terrific messages, all three of them. So I really encourage you to kind of just, just uh, tap into that if you haven't uh, all already. And, um, you know, when you're, when you're preaching, this is a preacher's lot. When you're, when you're preaching and you're, you're asking God for, for insight and for revelation, hopefully, you're asking God to, to give you, like, like, like um, it's like mining, you're looking for um, gold nuggets, you're looking for diamonds, and um, you do, it's just the part, the responsibility of preaching, and you pray a lot. If you're not praying a lot, then perhaps you shouldn't be preaching. But it's really important that you do. And so this was no different for me. And by the way, it's good to be back home. It's really good to be back from overseas with the preaching team. And I, um, some of you are wondering what happened over there. Well, on Sunday, the 2nd of April, I think it is, uh, Steve Hills, wherever Steve here is up there, Steve, is a, he took the team overseas for the uh, missions trip. Steve uh, and myself and the team are going to run the whole service, and we will give you um, all the information that you probably want to hear today, but won't hear. So that'll happen on, on the second. We're getting prepared for that now. So just seeking God and say, God, what is it that you, that, that, what's a gem from, from heaven regarding this particular message? And I was pondering the question, what is the difference between people in my kind of role um, as, a, as, a, uh, as a paid pastor, someone that's done the training and all that kind of stuff, um, in that particular role, and those, what I would, with the greatest of respect, and I do mean this really respectfully, the general congregation of people, people that have got normal jobs like I have, have got a job, they've got mortgages and children, and have all of those same issues. But in terms of the call, there is a slight difference. And I was kind of pondering that. And I do, I don't know about you, but I have a devotion that I do um, uh, every day. It's from a guy called Ray Stedman. Anyway, anyone get Stedman stuff? Apart from my wife, Christine, who passed it on to me and said, Paul, you need this. Um, uh, anyway, I, and I love what this guy brings. And I was reading through that particular day on Friday, and he was speaking specifically into that question specifically on Friday, and I would just quickly want to share it with you. What blows me away about that is there are 66 books in the Bible and about 40,000 different um, verses, and he's speaking directly into the one issue that I want some revelation on. Isn't that just how God works? It's incredible. It really is. So Stedman was looking at Ephesians 
Not that we're looking about it anyway. Stay with me. And in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul deals with the nature of the church and the part that each Christian plays in the operation of the church and its growth. That's what the book of Ephesians is all about. And Ephesians 4 describes the role of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, the devotion identified that there is a distinction between those four roles um, uh, and the general congregation and whatever their role happens to be according to their gift or their gifts. Are you with me thus far? These four support ministries, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. Some people believe that pastors and teachers are two separate gifts. I don't. I believe they are the two gifts in the one person. But let's not argue over that. They exist for the equipping of the whole church. That is the body. That is the congregation. They are equipped for the work of ministry, the congregation, that is contact with the world, and for the building up of the body of Christ, that is maintaining the health and the well-being of the church. That's your role. That's also my role, but at another level. Does that make sense? It's not that one is better than the other. It's got nothing to do with that. God is not into that kind of hierarchy stuff. We might be, but God never does that. In fact, he says the the lesser gifts we should honor the most. Yeah? Corinthians. And he goes on to say, Stedman did, the job of pastors is to train and equip, to undergird and motivate the people to do what God has gifted them to do. Everyone say, that's me. It is the people who are to do the work of the church. Stedman finishes with this. Anything less than this is a distortion of what God intended the church to be like. Someone say amen. Everyone has a role. Everyone has an opportunity and a function. So this message then, as it relates to gifts and talents, I want to share my experience of transitioning from doing just the normal stuff in church life. We were were young parents, Christine and I. We had children. We had a mortgage and all that kind of stuff. Um, Just getting on with life like 99% of you here today. I want to share um, my experience of the transition from that role to what I do now in speaking into this issue of gifts and talents. I recall when I came to faith, I didn't really have any clue whatsoever (laughs) that God could or would want to use me in some way in his church in any capacity. I had no idea. Um, You know, to be honest with you, I was just so grateful that I had had an encounter with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit and come to faith. And that for me, that was enough. Can you identify? That was enough for me. And I was content with that. But it so happened that the church we attended, and you'll remember this, they had a fabulous worship ministry, music ministry, kind of a bit like the one here. Where's our team? Most of them are over there. What a wonderful team you've got, Leanna. Let's give them a hand, church. They're just terrific. Yeah. They really are. 
day in and week in and week out and during the week they're here practicing, they come down early in the morning and they leave late at night just to prepare that set that you heard this morning. And we need to honor that, don't we? What a wonderful bunch of people. So this particular church had a, had a worship ministry um, uh, similar to that. And it just so happened um, that, that I could play the guitar. You know, I wasn't a Gary Moore. I wasn't a um, Angus Young, a Carlos Santana. Does anyone know who Angus Young is? Come on, tell me. Lead guitarist for ACDC. Now, you older people might not appreciate their music because I don't. But boy, can he play the guitar. He's a legend, that guy. How about Gary Moore? Now, that's real music. That's the blues. I mean, you know, uh, what's that song that he did? Um, Still Got the Blues. Yeah, absolutely legend. Go on YouTube and, and listen to that. Um, uh, and what about um, Carlos Santana? Oh, unreal. There's a few more. Some of you would know them. How about Eric Clapton? Jeff Beck, who just passed away, by the way. Just legend guitarist. Well, unfortunately, I couldn't even come close to any of those guys, unfortunately. But I could play in tune. You know, if coming to faith was a life-changing experience, and it was for me, and from that point on, my, my faith and my knowledge as I grew to know who God was, my, my, my faith life just grew from that day onwards. But when, and here's the point, when I began to serve in that capacity in my local church, which was in Auckland, my faith life grew exponentially. Before, it was growing. But when I served, when I said, here I am, kind of use me, Lord, it just took a whole new level, and it ramped up, and it was just, just awesome. It really was. And amazingly, as a result of that, sometime after joining the worship team, I was asked, can you believe it, to worship lead. I'd never, ever considered that God would use me to do something like that. Hello, some people out there. But he did. I worship led for many years, but here's the real point. That grew out of first making myself available to play the guitar. And it was after that that I received a specific call into ministry. And actually, as it turns out, I had to then give up worship leading, not because I wanted to. I mean, I could get up there and do it now. I loved operating in that gift. It was just something that God had wired me that way. Just loved every minute of it. But when I went into full-time ministry, you can't do everything. And if I did everything, then no one else gets the opportunity to rise up and use their gift. So I had to kind of put it on the shelf, and I've never done it since. And that's fair because it was a different role that I was now in. And I want you to hold that thought as we now read Luke 19, and we're going to read 11 through to 26. So stay with me on this, church. So turn to Luke 19, 11 to 26. It's the parable of the ten miners. While they were, that's not mine, ers, miners, is, 
not 10 guys that were mining in the ground, not that. While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 miners. Put this money to work, he said, until I return. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. Please hold that thought. The first one came and said, Sir, your miner has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your miner has earned five more. The master answered, Take charge of five cities. Then the other servant came and said, Sir, here is your miner. I've kept it laid up away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his miner away and give it to the one who has 10 miners. Sir, they said, he already has 10. He replied, I tell you that everyone who has more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. Wow. Right, are you ready for the word? Is everyone okay? Yep, that's good, I thought you were all asleep. Now you know for me that when we're reading God's word that context is really important, yeah? So let's briefly, let's get the context correct and then we can apply the word into, the, into its right context. So the man of noble birth obviously represents Jesus. Clearly, a miner was also a metaphor for our God-given gift or gifts, and a miner was equivalent to three months' wages. So that's a quarter of your annual salary. So take your current annual salary and divide it by four, 25%. That's how much a miner was worth, a considerable amount of money. And 10 servants were given one miner each. It wasn't graduated, the first one gets one, the other one gets two, no, they all got one, which tells me that everyone in this auditorium, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you have at least one gift that God has given you, yeah? At least one. The ten servants were given one minor each, and it's clear that Jesus sought some profit from his servants, uh, his, his servants' stewardship of the minor or the gift that they were given. Accordingly, upon his return, the master calls each one to give an account of their stewardship. And he evaluates three of the ten servants, not the whole lot, according to how faithful they had been stewarding their master's property. Not their property, his property. 
He judges two servants as having been faithful, and he rewards them accordingly. To the third servant, he chose, who chose to do nothing what, with what he had been given, his, uh, his minor was taken from him and given to the one who had done the most for the king. So here's the question. What is Luke saying to us this morning through this parable? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, it is you that reveals all truth. So we trust you this morning, God, to speak into each one of our hearts individually as we listen to what Luke is explaining to us about the gift or the gifts that each of us possess. Amen. You know, in 38 years that I have been a follower of Jesus, I've come to realize that everything that I have belongs to God. Everything. In verse 12, look at it. It says, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 miners. Put this money to work, he said. What does the last line say? Until I return, until I come back. You know, here's a question, church. Is it reasonable for us to expect a return from the investments that we make? Is that reasonable? That's why we invest, isn't it? To get a return. Well, Jesus thought so too. He agrees with you. And that's how God views the gifts or the gift that he has entrusted each one of us with. What we have, what we have been given, church, this side of eternity is on loan from God. Everyone smile. You thought it belonged to you, didn't you? It's on loan from him. And when he returns, he will ask this question or something similar. Paul, what did you do with the gift that I gave you? That's what he's going to ask me. You see, church, the gifts that God has already given each one of us are not exclusively ours. They're actually God's property. And he's loaned them to us. And when you look at it through that lens, clearly God has a greater purpose in mind for the gift or the gifts that he's already given you. And I came to realize that, that what we have been entrusted with is not only about today, exercising the gift today, exercising the gift tomorrow, or even next year. In view here also is the end of the age when the Lord returns. He's thinking of the whole gambit of timeline from today right up until when he returns at the end of time. So the gift that you have is not something to kind of just, well, I'll just put it on the shelf and, and, and maybe in a year's time do something with it. God is asking you. In fact, God is beseeching us. He's speaking into our lives this morning. Use what I've given you. Do something with it. Don't put it on the shelf. The end of the age is also in view. Because look here. Verse 13, so he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 miners, put this money to work, he said, until I come back. Luke is conveying an important kingdom truth here. Here's the truth. God expects us to invest our gift. How do we invest it? 
by using it. He expects us to do that. We're not put, uh, we're not here to put it away into safekeeping, to bury it like the guy did in the parable of the talents. You know, church, God looked at you. Meredith, he looked at you. He looked at you, Brenda and Bruce. He looked at every one of us. And he said, I'm going to give you, Bruce, this, this, and this. Because God believes in you, Bruce. He believes in you. Even if you can't believe in yourself, he believes in you. And he's given you his property for you to steward. And by the way, Bruce, you do it very, very well. Exceptionally well. How many years have we known each other? Don't tell everyone. Yeah, it's getting on. Before my hair started going grey. That's right. You're a wonderful servant. You really are. I think I'm right in saying that you had a lot to do with the design of this building and what we sit in today. You see, that's putting your gift to work. Yeah. Doesn't that stir your spirit, church? Doesn't that stir something inside of you to use your gift for his glory? Doesn't it? Yeah? So after I got saved, I, be, I began to understand some of God's ways. And it became clear to me that each person is given at least um, a gift, one minor. And it tells me that we all possess at least one gift that God expects us all to use. Now watch what happens, church, when we do. And I'm speaking out of my own experience here. The first servant increased his minor by a multiple of how many? Ten. Five, ten. The second servant increased his minor by a multiple of five. Both were commended. One wasn't commended above the other. They were both commended the same. Exactly the same. You see, God never plays favorites. He does make choices, but he never plays favorites. It tells me also that God doesn't expect more from us than what we are capable of producing. The first guy could produce it tenfold. The second guy could only, not only, but he could produce it up to fivefold. God is never going to give you something that you are not capable of multiplying according to the gift that you have. God simply wants us to do something with what we've been given. Just do something. In this instant, the serv instance, the servants um, could give the money to investors to earn interest if they wanted to or purchase goods and sell them for a profit. They could do what they want with it. Uh, how they invested the miner was entirely up to them so long as it was legal and so long as it was profitable. The important thing was in this parable that they gave back to their master, please hear this, they gave back to their master more than what they'd been given.
And in my walk with God in those early days, coming to understand that helped me to see it's actually not so much about what I've been given or what you have been given. It's not so much about what we have been given, but it does have everything to do with what we do with what God has given us. It's got everything to do with that. You know, 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that God dispenses his gifts as he wills it, as he sees fit. It's his decision. They're his gifts. And he gives you this and you you that and me whatever. It's his decision. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that. Therefore, excuse me, what we have been given is God's decision, church, it's not ours. You, could, you can covet someone else's gift. I, I would encourage you not to, but you can. You could say, <clears throat> wow, I'd love to be on the worship team. I would love, I'd really love to be up there singing. And you probably can be, providing you can sing in tune. You might not be able to sing in tune. Well, don't, what, don't get up on the worship team. Well, Leanna wouldn't let you up there anyway. If you can't sing in tune, would that be true, Leanna? Quite likely. There you go. You know, God gives us gifts. They're His gifts. He gives them to us. He knows what we're capable of. So don't try to be something that you're not. Operate in what you already have got. I shared before that I was given the privilege of playing the guitar in the worship band, and I loved it. You know what, church? I was happy to do that for the rest of my days. Just loved doing it. Remember Rose, the worship leader up there? Oh, my Lord. Just this woman could. It was like, I'm sure, it was like the angels had gathered around when she was worship leader. It was just, that's just the way it was. And, and, and to be part of that, to, to be able to play the guitar and, and, and do what I could to, to honor her with her gifts, I was content with that. Love doing it. Would have been happy to do that for the rest of my days in church life. But that's not what happened. Here's what happened. Because I put that one minor to work, God gave me another. Hello, some people out there. Because I put that one minor to work, God gave me another, the worship leading deal. And then after that, at some point, I got a call, I got a call into ministry, which I told Christine about, and she says, don't include me in that. And I said, that's fine. Three years later, she'd had a complete transformation of heart and mind and thinking, and when, I, when we went into ministry. So God gave me another minor. But all of that, and this is the point, church, all of that came out of putting to work the one that he had already given me. Isn't that cool? That's what God does. You know, I think for some of you, you think that somehow that you've been put on the shelf or maybe out to pasture. But this morning, God sees you right now and he's calling you to trust him again. Trust him again. 
because the gifts that God has for you are good gifts. And he desires to give them to you. So in sharing my experience and coming to a close here, regarding the gifts that God gives us, this is what I can guarantee you. This is an absolute guarantee. That faithfulness, that means my faithfulness, your faithfulness. Faithfulness in using the gifts that God gifts always reaps a good return. Always. Verses 17 to 19, let's read them. Should come up on the screen. Well done, my good servant. His master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, sir, your miner has earned five more. His master answered, you take charge of five cities. I was reading this through. And you know when I said earlier on, before I began this message, God, you, 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 as a preacher, you're looking for fresh revelation. You're looking for fresh bread. You know, because I'm sure you've heard the, the, the parable of the miners preached dozens of times. Would that be true? Well, hopefully it's come in a fresh way this morning. Hopefully it has. And you're kind of seeking God on that. And I was reading through this, and it suddenly jumped out at me. Um, that faithfulness always reaps a good return. Here's the point. Re is it reasonable to assume that these servants... Um, when they put their master's gift or invested it, that when they did that, they didn't give it, get an instant return, but it took some time. Would it be reasonable to assume that? It took some time? Yep. And how, how many of you know in life, when we make investments, and what do the investments happen to be? If it's a monetary thing, the market goes up and down, doesn't it? There are some challenges. In fact, there are challenges right now. Just have a look at your KiwiSaver. Just check that one out at the moment. Well, let's not talk about that too much. You know what I'm talking about. It's reasonable to assume that, that when we invest in whatever, and that's true with relationships, that's true in your work, that's true in, at, at every level of life when we are investing. Things change, and there are challenges, there are tough times, aren't there? And there are times when it goes swimmingly well. You know, before COVID, our Kiwi saver was looking really good. And I, there's a hole in the bottom of it now. It's going somewhere, certainly not into our bank account. So these things happen. So it's reasonable to assume that these servants um, put their master's gift to work, um, uh, experience some challenges from time to time. Is that a reasonable assumption? And I think that it is. And we see that these servants, in spite of the challenges, did not quit. Hello, some people out there. They did not quit when the going got tough. The first two servants showed their faithfulness by multiplying their master's investments, and then they were given even more. Watch this. Watch what happens to them. They began as servants, it says. Now, if you casually read the text, you'll doubtless conclude when you get to the end of it that they remained as servants. But that's not what happened. They began first as servants, but because of their faithfulness, they were promoted to become rulers. Take charge of ten cities. 
Take charge of five cities, Robert. They began as servants, but they were promoted to become rulers. God gave them more. I really want you to take this into your spirit. When we employ what God has given us, whatever the gift or the gifts are, when we play our part by putting them to work, the return is exponential. That's what he's saying. Because faithfulness always reaps a good return. Brenda, you're a faithful girl, aren't you? You're such a faithful lady. I admire you enormously, Brenda. I just watch you week in and week out. Tuesdays when we have our prayer meeting for the, the team, we come together. You are, does the church pay you $100,000 a year? Well, they probably should be. You know what I'm saying? But you do it faithfully, day in and day out. And many of you do in the life of this church. I think you're an extraordinary bunch of people. I really do. So I want to conclude by addressing what is probably now the elephant in the room. Because I said that faithfulness always generates a reward. Yeah, is that what I said? So the elephant in the room probably now is, if faithfulness reaps a good return, what happens when I'm unfaithful? And we answer that when we look at the third servant. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your miner. I've kept it laid away uh, in, a, in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man and you take out what you did not put in and you reap what you did not sow. Now, on the face of it, you might be thinking that, that despite the fact that he didn't do a lot with the miner, at least he gave back to his master what he had been given. Now, that is true. But to leave it there completely misses the point of the parable. God knows that investments require risk. They involve risk. Risk is often a breeding ground for a little word that has so much power over our lives if we let it. It's the word fear. Webster's Dictionary defines risk as to do something that may result in loss or failure. How many of you enjoy loss or failure? No one does. So risk will always involve an element of fear. Here's what I want to say to you, church. We play right into the enemy's hands when we allow our fear to crush our faith. Shall I say that again? We play right into the enemy's hands when we allow our fear to crush our faith. In fact, my experience to date is simply this, that fear is the enemy of faith. Fear will keep your world small. It'll keep it limited and make sure that you are absolutely ineffective. If that's you this morning, God has provided a solution for you today to deal with your fear. We'll come to that in a few seconds. Can I have the music team up, please?
You know, we're living in a time uh, today, in real time today, between verses 14 and 15 of this chapter 19, when our Master Jesus is actually absent but will return. When Jesus left, he gave us gifts. These gifts, when they are empowered by the Holy Spirit and when they are operating, when they're empowered by the Holy Spirit and operating. See, you can have the gift that God has already empowered, but you pop it on the shelf for whatever your reasons are. Disappointed? I don't know. Um, Maybe someone didn't recognize it. Maybe fear. Who knows? Here's my take on it, church. I absolutely believe this emphatically. When the whole church, that is the entire church, congregation, when everybody is operating in their gifts, under the power of God, anointed by the Holy Spirit, when everyone is doing whatever it is God has gifted you to do, it could be on the door, um, as Robert was sharing this morning, it could be all the things that Murdo was talking about, the areas of responsibility, that some, there are some gaps there that he, he'd love some people to kind of fill those gaps. It could be simply prayer. You might be somebody in the life of our church who can't often come to a service or probably can't come, but you see it online. Please pray. Please pray for us. That's a gift. Prayer is a gift. Whatever it happens to be, When the whole church is functioning in that way, it gets people's attention and it absolutely influences society. It truly does. I believe that the power of the church lies in all Christians discovering intelligently, exercising the gifts, spiritual or otherwise, that they possess. I believe the power of the church lies in that dynamic when everyone is operating in their spiritual gifts and their practical gifts, whatever they happen to be, when everyone is doing that, not just a handful, but everybody together. It's the thing called synergy. You've heard me say this before, I think. Synergy is when it's a dynamic that occurs when it's not one plus one equals two. Synergy doesn't operate like it's it's one plus one and the second one is the Holy Spirit. So one plus one equals three or four or five. Because the Spirit of God is in this thing. He gives us what we need. He takes it to a whole new level. We have the gift, and He puts it into into your hands and into my hands to steward it. But, but I don't own it. It's His baby, and He wants me to do something with it. And when I get to that point, the Holy Spirit comes in and empowers And boy, takes it to a whole new level. Could you imagine? Everyone in the life of our church here, without exception, from the youngest to the oldest, everybody operating in their specific gift or giftings, plural. Could you imagine that? There would be a new level of momentum that would be generated in this church literally overnight and again I just want to shout out to all the people in the life of this congregation of which there are many 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 of you who are already 
doing that. Thank you for what you do. Your rewards are in heaven, by the way, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> and I'm sure that many of you have got rewards beyond rewards up there. I'm talking to and encouraging, I hope, from God's word, those of you that are kind of, you know, God, what, what should I be involved in? I'm speaking into your spirit. Take it beyond, God, what should I do? Find out and then operate in it. Add it to the melting pot of what everyone else is doing. Because when you don't, we, the church, are the poorer for it. So I think there are folk here who have, who have served in the past, but perhaps you felt that your service was unappreciated. Maybe that's you. And it's caused you to withdraw, caused you to kind of hold back. I think there are those here that because of fear have kind of put their gift on the shelf, so to speak. Just because of fear. Remember, church, fear is the enemy of faith. Still others who believe that the enemies lie, the enemies lie that, oh, this is a classic one of Satan's. God will never use me. I mean, I've done this and I've done that. And man, if, if, if you really knew what I was like, God would never use me. Such a lie of the enemy. It is simply not true. He wants our availability. God takes our brokenness and he begins to heal and restore it and set us up for success, not failure. Hey, Charlotte. Yeah. And then there are still others here who are asking God, what area of service should I get involved in? Well, the Holy Spirit is here, ready and willing to respond to your situation. So I encourage you, church, don't leave here this morning without an opportunity for someone to pray into that situation with you uh, and for you. Yeah. Now, Charlotte, I shared your name publicly just then. Is that okay? Yeah, I thought it might have been. A lot of you people don't know Charlotte and Johnny here. But man, oh man, is God doing something in them. Extraordinary. The giftings in you, young lady. My goodness me, the creativeness that God has given you. The gift of creativeness. You are an intelligent young woman. But the gift of creativeness. There's a story in the Old Testament about a guy called Bezalel. Yeah. Be yeah, is that right? Yeah, Bezalel. Bez. Bez, my mate. Um... He was the guy that, um, that uh, uh, created all the instruments and the furnishings and the tapestry for the Solomon, no, for the temple. I don't know what Solomon, a temple anyway. Eh? Moses, Moses temple. He's the guy. But it says there in the Old Testament, wherever it is, it says there that God gave him, anointed him for that gift. We don't know if he had the gifting beforehand. We don't know. But certainly, God gave him what he needed to produce all of this incredible stuff in the temple. That's what I see in you. You're that type of person. Hope you don't sit on it. <laughs> Hope you don't. Robert, you wanted to um, 
share something about some healings that have taken place? Words of knowledge, you want to come up and, and just share? See, God uses this man here incredibly. Words of knowledge, he gives him. It's, it's a gift that, that Robert carries. He's, he's one of these people that's got multiple gifts, and many of you do. Um, but when Robert shares the stuff with me, I want tell the congregation. So words of knowledge, just not for me, but there is a word of knowledge for a left toe that God wants to heal. Uh, there's a pain just, just to the right Mike. side, back of the skull there. Which there was a lung issue huh? and also something yeah, with the right eye. So they were four words of knowledge that came out of the prayer meeting this morning. So um, then we're going to have a time of ministry. We are. So if they they uh, speak to you, then make sure you come up for prayer. Or if, you, if you've yeah. got any healing needs, then make sure you come up for prayer as well. Yep. Yeah. Can I have that microphone, please? So uh, Alan, if you just... Just come down here while I'm talking. So, Alan, Alan, um, can I say your last name is Dunstan? Can I say that? Yeah, because it's on film. <laughs> What's that? It was. Are we still being filmed? Oh, that's good. So you're on. You're on candid camera, mate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're talking about um, about gifts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, on Tuesday. Was it Tuesday? Brenda was there and the, the team and all the, everyone. We, Alan came in and um, he's, he can explain the situation briefly to you, but can I just say this? God came in an incredible way and did a healing miracle. Just tell the church. Give them the brief version. Brief version. I was at home feeling really <laughs> terrible and a, a word said, get to church. I came and the team were there in prayer and... Um, they anointed me with oil. On Thursday, I went to the doctor for my twice weekly checkup, and uh, my heart, which was totally irregular and was awaiting surgery, has gone back to normal rhythm. My blood pressure has gone from 160 over 105 to 120, 180, uh, 80, sorry. And I also have so developed diverticulitis which has had me in acute pain and that's why I was going to church um, I have no pain since last Tuesday Wow, let's give the Lord a hand Thanks Al Thanks, babe. <laughs> So I, I, I share that with you to encourage you God is doing some stuff in this church He really is the stuff that's going on behind the scenes that many of you don't know about and thank you Alan for being um, are gracious enough to share that with us. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, you know, so, so God did that for Alan and healed him, but I've still got this, whatever the situation is that I've got, and I been, haven't been healed for years. Why is that? Here's my answer to that. I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. But I know this, that God does heal. I know that. And for reasons I can't tell you, God chose to respond to him in that way. And maybe he will do that for you this morning too. Because I believe that God heals. Please stand. I want to encourage you this morning. You know, often when we've had a time at the end of the service and I've encouraged you to accept prayer and um, have said many times, in fact, every time, if you're, in, if you're a person that doesn't want to come forward to get someone around you to pray for you, and uh, that, that's fine. 
you're welcome to do that. But this morning, I'm actually asking you to take a step of faith. If you want prayer for whatever it is, gifting areas, for healing, just to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit, whatever it is, I encourage you this morning, actually come forward. And why am I saying that? Simply this, that sometimes we have to actually make a conscious decision to step across what I would call the chicken line. Sometimes, and, and God just, it just seems to change the dynamic. And I think this morning is one of those mornings. Just come down here. We've got a whole prayer team. Miriam, have you got the team set to go? You won't be here for, on your own. You won't be isolated. Spotlight won't be on you. We're going to sing the song, The Goodness of God. And as that's happening, if you, if you want prayer, please come down. And as things quieten down, we will pray for you in your situation. Thank you, Mike.